Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I've been one of my friends who's just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Another day? Another rally with the Dow advancing 92 points, S&P gaining 0.39%, NASDAQ climbing 0.57%. Thanks to decent earnings and an unemployment number that was weak enough to keep the stimulus balls in the air, and the market needs that. But the real driver of this week's terrific move was actually last week's turmoil. Last week, the Reddit revolutionaries produced some crazy action, which caused a bunch of important strategists to go downright negative. Their newfound negativity allowed us to get back on track because it meant we had lots of bears who could then turn back into being bulls as the week went on. And that's what happened when we got tremendous reports from a video game publisher, Activision Blizzard, a car company, Ford, and a cosmetics titan, Estee Lauder. We'll hear from their brilliant CEO, Fabrizio Freda, later tonight. With that in mind, what's the game plan for next week? All right, Monday we go right back to gaming. When Take-Two Interactive reports, we'll find out what's more like the delightful Activision or the disappointing Electronic Arts. <laughs> Knowing CEO Strauss Zelnick, I bet we're going to get a nice upside surprise, especially now that we're starting to get leaks about the next Grand Theft Auto version. Remember, that is the biggest franchise in gaming history. How about the mall? What is going on here? Lately, a bunch of mall-based retailers have been catching upgrades. Think Tapestry, L-Brands, even Foot Locker. Is the strength real? I can't wait to find out when we get results from Simon Property Group, the largest mall owner on Earth. Tuesday morning, we hear from the new DuPont, the specialty materials business focused on some booming end markets like autos, 5G, electronics, and housing. I expect great things, which is why I pounded the table on DuPont earlier this week on my monthly ActionAlertsPlus.com conference call. DuPont's a terrific manufacturing amalgam that's spewing cash. With the Democrats running Washington, investors are going to be going nuts again for cannabis, right? I mean, look at Jazz Pharmaceuticals buying my favorite marijuana, Jason Play, GW Pharma, 50% premium earlier this week. Next week, we'll be watching Canopy Growth, the big Canadian grower. Lots of excitement here because the Democrats want to decriminalize. But Canopy and its cohort actually need full legalization if they're going to keep going higher. We'll get there eventually, though probably not as soon as the bulls hope. Cisco. Cisco reports after the close, and this stock's been moving up nicely now that Enterprise 5G has come knocking. Some of it might also be that WebEx, which is uh, going up against Zoom, is doing better. Cisco's gradually been transitioning away from hardware toward more software. And I think we're getting close to the inflection point where the stock should start to get a much higher valuation. Can't wait for it to happen. So you got to get in ahead of it. 
Remember when Twitter permanently suspended uh, Trump's uh, account there? At first, we worried that that would be bad for business, right? But judging by the recent action in the stock, maybe they should have blocked him a lot sooner. So far, this has been a great quarter for every big internet brand, from Alphabet to Facebook to Snap to that amazing quarter from Pinterest. Twitter still has plenty of room to run. Wednesday morning, we hear from General Motors. We just got some great numbers this morning from Ford, marred only by a semiconductor shortage that's not going away anytime soon. If GM says the same thing now, well, maybe they won't be punished for it. More importantly, I'm expecting an explosion in free cash flow and a commitment to ending the internal combustion engine in a little over a decade. You heard me. I, I think CEO Mary Barra has done some remarkable things here, creating a battery technology that's worth the price of the entire company. GM can use its prodigious sales and cash flow to invest in electrics all she wants. I bet we hear great things. Should we still care about the stock of Coca-Cola? Of course. It's not often you can get the stock of a terrific company with 3.5% yield. Remember, we're bonds, what bonds give you, that's down in part because so many of its restaurant customers are shut down. Once we reopen, that business should come roaring back. For now, though, the stock is too cheap to ignore. After the close, we get results. This is fun from Zynga. Yes, the mobile gaming play. The whole video gaming business is on fire, and the rising tide is lifting all boats, including Zynga. Now, if GameStop had been smart, they could have done a big equity offering last week and used that money to buy this thing. But with the stock back now down in the 60s, look, let's just say they missed the opportunity or they continue to miss it. I wanted to get Navin Johnson on the board. I'm going to maybe have a proxy fight there. On Thursday morning, PepsiCo reports, and I think they'll deliver an excellent number because their snack business gives them a lot more consumer exposure than Coca-Cola has. Yeah, Frito-Lay. But why anyone care? The last quarter was picture perfect, yet the market yawned because we had gotten bored with the staples. You know me, I never get bored making money. And I bet PepsiCo's business is accelerating nicely. After the close, I get to hear the mellifluous voice of America's best CFO, Christine McCarthy, the architect behind Walt Disney's amazing balance sheet moves that have allowed the company to play offense at a time when they should have been reeling. As I've said many times to you, Disney is my favorite reopening stock. I'm pounding the table again. Bye, bye, bye. Meanwhile, their streaming service, Disney Plus, just won't quit because it's an incredible bargain. When you see how well this company does without movie theaters, without crowded parks, without cruises, even without sports at one point last year, what happens when that all comes back? I see this $180 stock headed to 200 Do not pass go. Collect that 200 However, Thursday's marquee event is the PayPal analyst meeting. This company's become some weird hybrid financial tech and friend that's delivering a stunning level of growth. I've liked PayPal ever since it was spun off by eBay in 2015. I actually think the business is about to re-accelerate this year. I say re-accelerate because they've already reported a magnificent quarter last week. I bet what you'll hear from CEO Dan Shulman at the analyst meeting, I recommend buying the stock beforehand if you don't already, it's going to be just spectacular. Finally on Friday, we hear from a forgotten company that could be about to get some love again. Newell Brands. Stock's been creeping up. There's been so much sturm and drang about this one, mostly because of the board challenges and missed quarters. Those issues are definitely behind them. I think Newell's comeback is real and the stock can still be bought. Here's the bottom line. I can't guarantee that this week's placid run will continue. This was the calm after the thwarted rocket ship emoji revolution. But thankfully, it feels like we're back in the business of trying to make money again by finding the stocks of companies with good fundamentals. Nice change of pace. Let's go to Max in Florida. Max. Hey, Jim. I just had a question for you about uh, Virgin Acquisition. 
I bought on the news yeah. last week about a possible merger with 23andMe, and now that the cat's out of the bag, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Well, you know, look, this is one of those where the cat, actually, you know what? You said it. The cat is out of the bag. I don't know what happens now. I think it's happened. I think you move on and you find the next cat. Best thing I can say. How about Sarah in Texas? Sarah. Hi, Jim. I'm a college student from Texas, and I'm just starting to learn about investing, and I'm a huge fan of yours, so thank you for taking my call. My question is about You're very kind. I invested in I invested in J&J this past summer towards the beginning of the pandemic, and I'm really happy with the return that I've seen so far. But I noticed that last week the stock price dropped by about 4% when the news of the vaccine's efficacy came out. So my question is, what do you think? Should I buy more or hold at my current position? And what do you see for the future of J&J and this vaccine rollout? Johnson Johnson, triple, AAA balance sheet, uh, one of the few in the whole world. Unbelievable management, great product portfolio. You own that stock. And if it comes down, what you do is this. Bye, bye, bye. Pretty simple. I need to go to Seth in Wisconsin. Seth. Hi, Jim. I appreciate you having me on today. Of course. I'm glad you're here. So uh, with the biggest betting day of the year coming up Sunday, I think it's uh, very timely to ask you about DraftKings, symbol DKNG. Uh, roughly half well, of I know the have legalized I, sports betting. Right. Oh, go please. Look, I know these guys uh, really well. 16? I happen to have a. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I just want to tell you, I have. A, I have a. Uh, I always want to disclose this. I have a deal with them called Bull Market Fantasy. I think that's a remarkable company. I think Penn National and DraftKings are the two ways to play gambling, uh, and gambling is sweeping the uh, country. And it's still not reflected in the price of DraftKings stock and the unbelievable management team they have. So I'm willing to say once again, bye, bye, bye. All right. It feels like we're back in business. And boy, what a great feeling, isn't it? On Man Money Tonight, time to sail away with Brunswick. I'm talking with the CEO of Fresh Off Earnings. Then my exclusive with Estee Lauder after earnings to find out how the beauty business is changing because of the pandemic. And could Sanofi's partnership with GlaxoSmithKline on a COVID-19 vaccine help push the stock to new heights if they can get it right? Or are there other things in play? I've got the CEO after earnings. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. 
Last summer, we spent a lot of time talking about the great outdoors because boating, camping, and hiking were pretty much the only safe ways to take a vacation. Then in the fall, most of these stocks did stall out, with people assuming that they go out of style uh, like they do every year when it gets cold. But I told you to stick with them. I thought the great outdoors theme trumped the usual seasonal story. And some of these players, well, they had such lean inventories that they seemed poised to make a killing. Sure enough, that's exactly how it's playing out. Take Brunswick, the big boat maker. You know my fave, a stock that's worth 40% since the end of October. Late last week, Brunswick reported a magnificent earnings beat and raised its full year forecast pretty substantially. But because of the crazy action at the time, you're basically getting that fantastic quarter for free. So let's take a closer look with David Folks. He's the CEO of Brunswick Corporation to learn more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Folks, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. David, I struggle. This was maybe one of the most perfect quarters I've seen. I was reading a Jeffrey's note. They always had these different things about what they like and what they didn't. And they got to what we didn't like. Nothing. This was a clean quarter. What do you do for an encore? Uh, there's a lot more to come, Jim. As we looked at 2021... We're off to a great start. The momentum that we had in 2020 is really carrying through. And as you saw in our uh, earnings release, we raised guidance for 2021 and uh, for 2022. So we think uh, we're really on a roll. Now, you do have some spare capacity because I was worried. I saw you down the nine, 19 weeks inventory. I mean, that's a, a lowest mm-hmm. in, in a couple decades. But you've got Palm Coast, Florida. You've got some Mexico, some Portugal. So you do have the ability to continue to meet demand as it continues to accelerate. We do. So between those facilities that you just mentioned, Jim, we've added uh, about 4,000 units on top of the roughly 40,000 we already have. That will really help us get after the pipeline. If you think about last year, we retailed about 38,000 votes, but we were only able to make about 28,000 because of the disruption in the second quarter. Just to get to 38,000 retail units or more this year, uh, will be about a 30% increase in production, and it won't allow us to make uh, much progress with improving the pipelines. With that additional capacity, which we'll bring on progressively, and really we'll have mostly next year, will help us address the pipelines probably in 22 and a little bit beyond. But we will get them down over that period. So, David, do you ever worry, you know, I did for a while, you've convinced me otherwise, but I want people to understand this, that once social distancing goes away and maybe things return to normal, we're all vaccinated, that boating will somehow go out of style? Or is it the opposite, that people have rediscovered boating? And if anything, it's just going to be a much bigger part of the wallet of Americans, if not people around the world. We think so, Jim. We we recently surveyed a group of people who bought boats in the 2020 season. And 92% rated their experience during that season as a four or five stars out of five. In other words, pretty much everybody had a fantastic uh, first season. And obviously, that bodes well for the future. If you think of some other trends that come along with with COVID, we think have some legs. Uh, Things like uh, more flexible work arrangements. We're certainly seeing more people boating during the week uh, versus at weekends that used to. So that's very favorable. And if there is any uh, legs to the trend of the urbanization, that tends to put people in spaces where they have more access to boats. There's a lot of carryover as well, Jim, of people who wanted to buy a boat last year and just could not find the boat that they wanted because of the low inventory levels. So we believe that they'll be looking this season or next season uh, to get that boat that they wanted. And we think that means a really uh, long-term stability to the retail trends. 
Now, you've got a fantastic option called the Freedom Boat Club that at one point I know I would have belonged if I didn't have a boat myself. One of yours, you know that. Is that a funnel or is that just a great business and it doesn't need to be a funnel to buyers? Well, it's a great synergy for us. It's not uh, really a funnel. It's kind of adjacent to our main business. When we um, surveyed Freedom of Boat Club members, only about 5% had intended to buy a new boat. So we're really not cannibalizing any of the people who are buying new boats, but the synergy is huge for us. And when we bought that, that business in 2019, it had 180 locations and about 1,800 boats. It now has 253 locations and about 3,200 boats. Those boats turn about every two to three years. So it's an opportunity for us to sell more than a thousand boats every year into the Freedom franchise. And just, I think, a week or so ago, we actually passed the point where um, about a thousand Brunswick boats had actually been sold or ordered into Freedom franchisees. So we're thrilled about the way that that business is performing and the synergies it provides, not only for Brunswick boats, but also, of course, for Mercury engines. Well, David, you also uh, teased us uh, when I was listening to the conference call. Six days from now, you say there's a momentous day for Mercury. What are we going to find? Can you show us some leg on what's going to happen? Well, I can't tell you too much, Jim, but but I can tell you that the uh, the product we'll be launching, which is a propulsion product, will be very disruptive to the segment it's targeted at. It is a combination of technologies that has never been seen before in marine. It provides unbelievable efficiency and performance. The maintenance and service cycles are much longer than anything that the market has ever seen. So please tune in. Go visit MercuryMarine.com or Mercury's Facebook page, and you can register for the event. It will be a fantastic uh, launch. I cannot, I've never been so excited about a product launch system. Well, you did mention on the call that these virtual events turned out to be able to be uh, a much better place to showcase. You know, I love your boats, so I do go to them. I guess people just love the look, right? I think, you know, they really do. And you're right. You know, of course, um, physical boat shows are a big part of the industry. They're very exciting. But we have really found that people have we invested a lot in our digital assets, everything from websites to virtual boat shows to mobile experiences. And that is certainly a place where we can meet new consumers and where consumers really want to be met. So we think that our kind of digital consumer journey is going to be a big part uh, going forward, independent of what happens uh, with COVID. You know, David, one of the things people used to make the joke that a boat costs too much, I think it was because the technology wasn't good enough and the quality wasn't good enough. Isn't it possible, David, that the boats you're making now are so inexpensive to run and maintain that that whole notion that owning a boat is expensive is out the window? Well, I think we, we offer so many options now, and our product is so reliable. If you look at Mercury last year, their um, warranty rates, their repair rates were as low as best in class in anything from consumer electronics to automotive. Quality is absolutely fabulous. Reliability is fabulous. So people can spend all that time enjoying their boats on the water, gym. And I agree with you. I think the cost of boating and the time associated with boating, either with shared access or with boat ownership, has gone way down. Well, look, I, I, I don't... Uh... I don't hide it. I love boats so much, and I love your boats, and I'm so glad you had a great quarter, and I think there'll be many more. David Folks is the CEO of Brunswick Corporation, BC. Fantastic to have you back on Mad Money, sir. Thank you so much, David. It's always great to see you. Hope to see you again soon. Of course.
You too. Mad Money's back after the break. A new era for beauty? As the pandemic changes consumers' routines, skin care is emerging as a bright spot. Kramer takes a closer look at the changing face of the industry with a company with skin in the game. Just ahead. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Look at Estee Lauder run. This morning, the cosmetics kingpin reported that even in the most dire phase of the pandemic, they gave you a gigantic earnings beat because they did such an incredible job of pivoting, pivoting to online sales channels, cutting costs. And that's why the stock surged nearly 20 bucks, uh, 8% today. New all-time high, leader in the market. Estee Lauder is my favorite kind of reopening play, the kind that spent last year improving itself so that it can make a fortune once we're all vaccinated and the world goes back to normal. If the stock's hitting new highs now... Can you imagine what's going to happen when makeup was so weak it's going to turn around? America tumbled 15%. That could turn too. Just imagine what this company will look like when we beat COVID. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with one of my absolute, I, I don't know, maybe my favorite CEO. And he's, he's on the show. I'm very excited about this. Fabrizio Freda. He's the bankable president CEO of Estee Lauder Companies. You get a better read on this, on this quarter. Fabrizio, welcome to Man Money. Hi, Jim. Very nice. Very happy to be with you. Oh, I'm so thrilled you're here. How did you have 10 brands that grew double digit at a time when so many companies are struggling? <laughs> a lot of hard work and uh, happy to discuss with you what, what happened. But basically, a lot of hard work for the entire team. I have an amazing team. We have a great strategy. And this is working. But tell me something. When we first met, it was cosmetics, cosmetics, cosmetics. And I said, uh, why do you even bother to have skincare? I mean, this thing's a loser. I, you said, Jim, you don't understand my business, and you gave me a tutorial. Sir, how did you know that it is worth not only a fortune, the skincare business, but the numbers would be incredible to the point where it is, it's leading the company? Yeah, I know. The, the key drivers in this moment in beauty around the world is, first of all, skincare. There are, uh, you know, consumers are using more skincare. Skincare is perfect for the usage occasions during the pandemic when most of us are working from home, closing our homes. We have time to pamper. We need more skincare benefits. And, um, and so this is working around the world, particularly in Asia. Also, skincare is working well because the Asian populations are the, are the most demanding consumers in terms of skin. And, and they are driving also this global trend. The other big driver is online. No. As you can imagine, many, many people started shopping more online. And we were ready. We've been able to pivot to online around the world 
very fast. And the last driver has been For Asia, where, where the growth is, is stronger than in any part of the world. Now, Fabrizio, I was very worried, I have to admit, because when I was thinking about Asia, I was thinking, you know what, that's the selfie generation and it's gotten to here. As long as there's selfies, then there are people going to want to look their best. I never thought that we would have another generation. It turns out we're now in the Zoomy generation. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, the makeup category is the softest categories around the world because it's driven by user educations and people are, go less to their offices for business. They go less to parties, less in restaurants. So there are less makeup user education, but there is one user education which is new and which is booming, which is exactly being on Zoom, being on WebEx. We call it Zoomy or WebExy. It's basically the user education you and I are living in this moment. Therefore, the women around the world is an opportunity to use makeup and more makeup, particularly eye makeup that is, in fact, booming. But there are other user education in makeup that will only come back when COVID will abate. Well, let's go back to China because their uh, COVID has abated more than other places. The comeback is rather extraordinary. Also, it seems that the brands that people are buying are your highest level, best margin brands. People don't seem to stint on makeup when it comes to Estee Lauder. No, absolutely. But particularly in Asia and in China, uh, the, the, the luxury skincare is doing really well. And uh, and the luxury makeup as well, and and people are uh, going from mass to luxury and more and more. And the demographic is obviously in favor of those populations as well, the consumption of those populations. But what's happening is that we call hero products the products that have the highest repurchase rates, meaning the pop the products that people love to repeat buy regularly. As you know, in, in the consumption industry, the consumer industry, profitability is very much into the repeat, into the products that create loyalty. Trial is an investment, the success in the repeat and loyalty. And uh, the hero products are the products that create the highest level of repeat. Now, how do you create a hero product? The answer is quality, because I know many people that will try new products because of marketing but they will repeat it, become loyal only because of quality, because this product is performing. And that's where uh, Estelo, the company, has an enormous amount of focus, enormous amount of resources. And I believe we do a pretty, pretty good job. It's in the quality of our products that creates repeat and loyalty. And that's behind our success all over the world and in this period, particularly in Asia. Well, look, it's a remarkable quarter. There's so much. I always say to Fabrizio, he puts on a clinic. The conference call is the single best conference call that I read. Everything you need to know about what this company does right, including the unbelievable global reverse mentor program, it's all there. I would, uh, you give away the, the secret because the confidence that you have in the knowledge and the brand in your work is really extraordinary. Fabrizio Freda, president and CEO of the Estee Lauder Company. It's a remarkable quarter, remarkable man. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Thank you. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, in a pandemic world, what biotech stock fits best in your portfolio? Find out why the Sanofi CEO thinks something in his pipeline will be a game changer. I've been in the industry a long time. This is a once-in-a-generational medicine. Next. 
Did Sanofi just get its groove back? The massive French pharmaceutical company has spent years bouncing between the low 40s and the mid 50s. In late 2019, the company got a new CEO who's trying to turn things around by spinning off the consumer business. It's not such a great business, making a series of smaller acquisitions, but they got clocked by COVID and their vaccine initiative so far has been a bit disappointing. However, this morning, Sanofi reported a solid quarter, a slight revenue miss coupled with a strong earnings beat. And even better, management gave you an incredibly bullish guidance for 2021 and put up some very strong strong growth. And that's why the stock jumped more than 2% today. Could it have more upside? This morning, we got to check in with Paul Hudson, the CEO of Sanofi. I want you to take a look. Mr. Hudson, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Great to be back with you, particularly at the end of a successful year and a strong fourth quarter. Well, yes, we've got to address that because uh, Sanofi delivered close to double digit growth. You're not a startup. You've been around forever. What were the components that gave it so you had such a strong number? You know, everybody has been focused on this transformation. We are a big organization, but we're really more agile than people think. The performance of Dupixon and helping patients with difficult diseases, our own attitude to reallocating resources and putting them behind our strategic imperatives. Uh, We're starting to move with speed and this transformation is fully underway. You know, Paul, I've been thinking about this Dupixin. I see the numbers. I'm starting to think it may be one of the biggest and greatest drugs of all time. And yet people are just discovering it. Can you talk about all the possible manifestations of this wonder drug? You know, it's for me, at least I've been in the industry a long time. This is a once in a generational medicine. I talk to patients. I talk to doctors about the benefits that this medicine brings. Uh, We're privileged to be working with it. Um, We go from COPD, asthma, atopic dermatitis, chronic spontaneous urticaria, esophagitis. We're pushing on the type 2 inflammatory diseases. And a lot of these patients are really struggling with overlapping illnesses. And not only that, amazing efficacy, but incredible safety profile. That's why we're seeing it grow over 70%, even during a pandemic, because physicians are happy to start it for patients who really need it because they know it's safe, they know it's incredibly effective. And we think it's game-changing for those patients and indeed ultimately for the company. I think that people, when they hear monoclonal antibody, they want to know, well, how is this made? This is actually, what, a, a synthetic jug, your uh, partner Regeneron. But it seems like that each, each month there's some new thing that this thing works for. That's not the way we're used to seeing drugs. Is, is it like a living, breathing organism that goes after different things? You know, we follow the science and we look at the patient need and we talk to those patients with autoimmune diseases and challenges from an immunology perspective. And as we keep exploring and opening up these new patient populations, we can really help. And we're willing to step in and do the work. I mean, it's just so important that we can transform these lives. So we just keep pushing forward. You know, I told you, I get letters every day about somebody's life that's been transformed somewhere by this medicine. And we're just getting started. And when you think about its role in our transformation, when you think about the rest of our pipeline coming in behind and how 80% of it's going to be best or first in class, we're really building something here. You know, and we're adding to it, um, you know, in terms of our acquisitions last year, building out immunology. So we really think we're going to have what patients need going forward and importantly, really helping to transform this great company. 
Now, you also are uh, the leading vaccine company, 14.6% record growth uh, for influenza vaccines. But at the same time, I know that you were disappointed to some degree with uh, your initial COVID, uh, one of the two that you have uh, trials, uh, but you're going back in. Uh, You also have one for Messenger. I got the Moderna shot. I've got another one coming. How are we looking in terms of COVID? Because you are the premier vaccine company in the world. So, you know, we're really proud of what we're doing in COVID. You know, we have two medicines that we put forward. We're running two vaccines. And um, we are doing things in months, what we were traditionally doing years. And we're going to be there. We're going to be there later this year with, we think, one of the proven platforms. There'll be patients that need it as there is a booster or patients that need to get started or patients in developing nations. We can't rest, right? And we're purpose-driven. The team, yeah, they set a high bar in efficacy, so we should. We spend a bit more time making sure that our our, uh, vaccine was going to be a winner when it came out. Of course, we'll have to wait and see on the biology, but we're all in. We haven't blinked. And on top of that, right, we're partnering with... But let me ask you... we have, South, we have the South African strain. We've got a strain from Latin America. AstraZeneca talked about the British strain. Are you uh, encompassing all those new threats to the uh, human body? Well, you know, we're an adjuvanted vaccine. So we, in our vaccine, we will help the body get stimulated to fight. We think we're going to have great coverage on the individual strains. And as that evolves, we, again, want to play a big part on that. You know, another point that's worth saying, uh, Jim, is that we're also making a vaccine for a traditional competitor of ours in mRNA. And the reason we're doing it, put simply, because we have some capacity, we have some time, and we're purpose-driven. You know, how could we not step forward? And we'll bring about 100 to 125 million doses of, a, of another competing vaccine before the end of the year. I think that says a lot about how we operate here, how committed we are, and how we're pushing everything in to try and bring this pandemic under control. I'm proud of this team at the moment. One last question. I know you're also very pro shareholder. Uh, you have been taking some aggressive cost cuts, uh, huge savings, which I, I think, again, is going to make it so that those of us who like good yield, those of us who like solid companies are going to be able to find that there's money falling to the bottom line that also rewards them for being patient with Paul Hudson. Hey, we're ahead of our schedule. We said we were going to save over 1.5 billion and we're 85% of it in a year early. So we've added to that. But we're not just doing it. We're not a cost-cutting company. We're about redeployment of that capital into science. Cutting edge talked about it. First in class, best in class. Trying to get the breakthrough that makes our patients happy, but also investors can see makes sense. Cutting costs for the sake of it is not going to be enough. Not in our industry. It's not why we joined. But if we get this right, some will drop to the bottom line. You saw it in the dividend. Great. And the rest of it goes to absolutely fueling the science and leading from the front. You know, uh, we're really doing something different here. We're a great story to watch. And I have to say, when you look at the numbers from 20 and how excited I am about 2021, this transformation is squarely underway. And it's going to be hard for people simply not to see that. Well, you make me found so optimistic. Also, maybe I, I don't want to get too optimistic about COVID, but you're still working on things. A lot of people are still working on COVID. Do you think there'll come a time when we'll all be jabbed and we'll all kind of have our life back, Paul? You know what? I, I think the will will find out whether it's going to be in some form or another more seasonal, a bit like influenza, perhaps not quite as big on the ice. We simply don't know. Where we stand as a company, when you don't know, you can't have any regrets. So we push on and we push in because what if there aren't all the vaccines? What if there isn't the supply? Can't have that. 
right? If we can protect an additional life by doing something now, rather than waiting till the end of the year to find out, we've got to take that chance. And we've said from the very beginning, it wasn't going to be easy. And we've said that we will give everything we have. Right. We're a proud vaccine company. We know what we're doing. We're going to bring a great vaccine forward. In the meantime, we'll help others bring their vaccines forward because let's put it frankly, we need to get back to normal. We've got to play our part. I think others should play their part too. Well, I got to tell you, Paul, you've made a series of uh, commitments to our viewers. You exceeded every single one of them. And congratulations on a remarkably great quarter with tremendous growth. Paul Hudson, CEO of Sanofi. Always good to see you. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. Thank you. We'll be back after the break. Coming up. It is time. Kramer takes your calls. Rapid fire. The lightning round is next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round on Kramer's Man. But you all excited about that. That's about Rock and Roll. Same as Sucker Sater. Bye bye bye. So don't jump in there. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Some of the lightning round. Kramer's Man. Let's start with Vivek in Arizona. Vivek. Hello, Jim. How are you? I am good, Vivek. How are right, you doing? Uh, very good, very good, thanks. All right, uh, the ticker is PEN Penumbra. It's a medical device company. Last five to six months, uh, the ticker has been a little volatile and is a matter of concern for me. Uh, well, anyway, it is, it, look, it's a heavily speculative, it's a speculative stock. It's a speculative stock, and I say that because remember, when you're dealing with some of these medical device companies that don't, you're not dealing with Medtronic here, okay? But it has real revenues. The revenues aren't growing the way I would like it. But I do think that you've got a decent spec. Let's leave it at that. I need to go to Sandra in North Carolina. Sandra. Hi, Jim. I hope you're feeling better. Oh, thank you so much for saying that, Sandra. It's been a kind of a tough couple days. But I'm back. What's up? You have a good nurse. Uh, I uh, live in a household <laughs> with three teens <laughs> that literally snap each other or their friends. They no longer make phone calls. Wondering if it's still a bomb. Yeah, I mean, this morning on Squawk on the Street, the stock was down five, and I said, that's a little ridiculous. Five billion snaps a day, you got to buy this one. And I, I praised the company and said, look, you want to own this. It was boilerplate that they said negative things. So it's been terrific, and it's not done. It goes much higher. Yes, they're doing that well. I need to go to Nathan in North Carolina, please. Nathan. Jim, thank Nathan. you for taking my call. Of course. Ticker in. Ticker NCNO, Encino. I think they've positioned themselves for long-term revenue growth. I could not agree more. I think this is a sensational situation. It's only $7 billion. It's a fantastic fintech stock. We had them on. They're from Wilmington, North Carolina. It is a just a, it is such a good company, and it is a buy. I need to go to Shree in Illinois. Shree. Booyah, Jim. A big thank you to you. I have greatly benefited from your advice. How are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. How about you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I have a question on BadZert. I've been long on it, and it hit 23, and it's there was a sudden sell-off. Should I be holding on to it? Uh, it Maybe it bounces, but those were disappointing results. Period, end of story. There's really... I can't put a good... I can't put anything good on those numbers. That was not the results that we wanted to see. Let's go to William in Montana. William. 
Great, Jim. Thanks. Hey, this company just announced a special dividend coming up in Q2 of 1875 a share. It closed today at 4466 Should I get a position in Shenandoah Communication Company, ticker S-H-E-N? Thanks. William, you cut me to the quick. I do not know Shenandoah. I'm familiar only with the mountain chain. Let's go to Kyle in Pennsylvania. Kyle! Booyah! Jimmy Chill, how we doing? First time, long time. Yeah, go Birds! I am... All right, go Birds! Go hey. Birds! Uh, Carson go Wentz, birds. come on. You, you know, get, get a little happier there. What's going on? Right, right, right. So I'm uh, talking about a new company. Um, they just completed their merger about a week, two weeks ago. I believe someone actually mentioned it before, which was GHIB. It's now UWMC, United Wholesale Mortgage Company. They just reported earnings, yeah, and it was great. They announced the dividend, and I'm just unsure. They reported an amazing quarter, and the stock didn't go up. And, and frankly, this is a group that I don't really want to be affiliated with. I'm going to have to say you should put your money elsewhere. Let's go to Derek in Florida. Derek! Hey, Booyah, Jim. Hey, Booyah, Derek. What's happening? Madden, first-time caller. Honored to be on the show talking to a legend. Just a quick question Thank about you. Renewable Energy Group. Stock symbol REGI. Oh, I like that company. About I have liked that company. Uh, I, you know, we like these guys. We know them. We think they're terrific. Uh, and I think that anybody that does what they're doing is also doing the, the earth a big favor. Up 39%. It's just doing terrifically. I say own. Oh, let's go to Joe in Connecticut. Joe. What's up, Jim Kramer? Listen, I got... I uh, want to know your take on EXP Realty, ticker symbol EXPI. This stock has taken off like yeah, the, one of Elon Musk's space rockets. Sure. Yeah, look, look like cloud-based real estate. I mean, what are you going to say? I can't fight that. I can't say I don't want you to be in cloud-based real estate, It's, it's it, it, but it's up 100%. So I say um, let's just do, because I feel like we've missed a lot of it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Peloton stock today may have left investors more than a little huffy. But in the race to profits, Kramer's got the yellow jersey. And he's sharing some 10-speed ideas on how to pedal your portfolio around the pandemic uncertainty. Next. We know old habits die hard. Uh, what about the newer ones? We spent nearly a year adapting to this pandemic, so what happens to all those behaviors once we enter the post-pandemic era? Well, that's what I kept asking myself last night as I listened to the Peloton conference call. Peloton's the poster child for what worked last year, a company that makes smart exercise machines and then sells subscriptions for on-demand digital fitness classes. That's where the money is. People can't get enough of these things, but now they're having trouble meeting demand because of delays in West Coast ports, along with some COVID-related production problems. That's why the stock got hammered today when even though management delivered a set of spectacular numbers, 128% revenue growth, earnings double what Wall Street was expecting, and the connected business now is 1.67 million subscribers up 134% year over year. Now, we can't overlook the supply chain issues. Not everyone's getting uh, not when everyone's getting vaccinated, right? And the company has to spend an extra 100 million bucks to get those bikes out. Management repeatedly assured us that the bottlenecks aren't causing demand issues. But what happens when everyone's vaccinated and the gyms reopen, the spin classes come back? Will people really keep working out at home by themselves once they have other options? 
Call me skeptical. At home fitness isn't the only new habit that's up in the air. Take hygiene. Last night, we heard from the terrific Linda Rendell. She's the new CEO of Clorox. They delivered 26% organic growth. That's a staggering number for a mature consumer goods company. Uh, Clorox has a similar problem, though. They won't be able to meet demand for their wipes until the end of the year. Like the people running Peloton, Rendell's convinced that the world has changed, meaning people want to switch back to their old hygiene habits once COVID comes to an end. Now, nobody liked either of these two quarters. I think Randall may have a point about our new attitude toward cleanliness, but Wall Street doesn't seem to care. These two stocks give you a crystal clear view of the post-pandemic setup, don't they? Peloton's an exercise machine company with a software-as-a-service kicker, but the bottlenecks are making it harder for them to grow their installed base, and demand could easily fall off when gyms are safe again. Clorox may be able to keep selling tons of those fantastic wipes post-pandemic, but it might not be enough to move the needle, which is why the whole consumer packaged goods sector has been in the doghouse since the big vaccine breakthroughs in November. Just look at the charts, you'll see it. So what do you what do you have here? What do you do? I know I'm supposed to have an opinion on everything, but in all honesty, I actually think it's too soon to tell. There's simply no way to figure that what's going on here because we're living in unprecedented times. What happens when new habits come into conflict with old habits? People love the convenience of working out at home, but they also love going to spin classes. That means Peloton's a gamble. And given that the company's already struggling with these production and logistics bottlenecks, that makes it too risky for me to tell you to buy. But at least Peloton's building up a huge installed base of exercise machines that will keep producing revenue for years to come from their digital subscriptions. With Clorox, they're just selling more wipes and hand sanitizer. I mean, there's, there's no real recurring component from software. Uh, while the stock's come down from its highs, it's still up almost 30 bucks from where it was before the pandemic. In short, Clorox and Peloton are both intriguing exercises in crowd psychology. But since we don't know which way the crowd will jump, they're also battleground stocks. I say stay away from the battlegrounds. There are much easier ways to make money. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.